Police One Academy is leading the way in high-quality, affordable training for officers nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 1,000 HD videos and 175 full-length courses in a robust learning management system. Training is certified or accepted for training credit in 35 states. Join the industry's most officer-friendly learning platform with more than 60,000 subscribers. To schedule a free demo, go to policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I am Doug Wiley. I am Jim Dudley. Jim, you know, it was a year or two ago um, that the President's Task Force on 21st Century Policing um, was commissioned and created a uh, series of reports now. There's been a couple of follow-up reports. Um, Part of that effort was uh, the revelation of what they called the Six Pillars of uh, 20th, 21st century policing. And I'll run through them real quick. Um, Building trust and legitimacy, policy and oversight, technology and social media, community policing and crime reduction, training and education, and finally, number six, officer wellness and safety. I would have put number six at number one, but we'll get to that later. Well, I was going to say last but not least. (laughs) Last but but not least, yeah. Um, These are each big enough probably for um, a 10-minute discussion at least on the podcast. So let's take just the first one, um, building trust and legitimacy. You know, there's a couple of thoughts on that. You know, um, one of the suggestions, recommendations was talking about embracing the guardian rather than the warrior mentality mindset. Um, You know, I would contend that, frankly, cops are both at the same time um, and have reason to be either at any given moment. Talking about uh, procedural justice and adopting those pr- principles as well, um, various other you know efforts to uh, create this this sense of rebuilt trust between the community and the police officers who protect them. What are your what are your thoughts on you know some of the the things that are actionable and doable here in today's uh, today's society? Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned building trust and legitimacy. So I think the the Agency officers would have a, a slightly different uh, approach on what that means as opposed to um, executive level people and government level people who may want to um, put another idea in, into the minds of uh, not only law enforcement personnel, but the public. And, and I totally believe that we need to connect to the community better. We cannot be the occupying force that moves in for enforcement purposes only, that we've got to be part of the fabric of the community and, and social settings and in cities and counties and, and communities. But when, when they talk about right from the get-go of, of becoming the guardian rather than the warrior, uh, you're right. Police officers need to be able to shift gears quickly. There are certainly some situations that call for the warrior to go in and take care of business. And and those are armed encounters and situations where you're not dealing with the lucid individual who follows directions, Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't have just stabbed or shot somebody and they're standing there refusing to drop the weapon. I mean, in those situations, I do believe that the officer should, should go in there with a mindset that they may have to use force to subdue the individual. And and this goes back, personally for me, all the way back to the police academy when I had instructors say, think about it right now. You, may, you, you are one of the few individuals 
in our society that's trusted with using um, an arrest power that takes away the freedom of an individual, but you're also given powers of use of force where you're, you have the ability to use lethal force in some situations. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure it out right now in the police academy before you hit that street if you are capable of using lethal force. And I took that to heart, and I hope every police recruit takes that to heart, that they can't wait for the, the moment of truth to decide whether or not they can use lethal force. And and I believe I believe police officers do this all the time that they they go over scenarios in their heads or they think about things on the way to calls calls with violence calls with armed individuals and they are thinking about their their force options and of course there there is a continuum of force from verbal persuasion to hands-on to using weapons all the way up to lethal force and sometimes that continuum goes from the beginning to the last use of force in an instant. Right. And I think uh, to judge police officers on uh, not taking steps that would have mitigated before using uh, lethal force, I say we go back to Supreme Court rulings, go back to each state's uh, guidelines and hold the officers to that. And and don't you can't change the rules until we change the rules at the Supreme Court and at the state level. Yeah, and you know, you're, you're talking about principally Graham v. Connor, which, you know, documents precisely what is justifiable use of force. And I, I use the word justifiable, but you could also use the word legitimate. And, you know, they're talking about building trust and legitimacy. Legitimacy is, as you'd mentioned, you know, when you go through the academy and you swear an oath as an officer, you become a legitimate extension of the state's capacity to regulate and, uh, uh, and, and, and monitor criminal activity uh, to, and to, to fight criminal activity. So, you know, there is legitimacy there. I think what the 21st century policing, you know, kind of this pillar about trust and legitimacy, I think it also goes both ways. One thing that you mentioned that I, I, I was having a conversation with a non-law enforcement person just the other day um, and mentioning things like in San Francisco, we've got a very, very robust youth programs, um, right. police athletic league and a whole host of, you know, the job summer jobs program and all kinds of other wilderness things. program, yeah. fishing program, all backpacking, whitewater rafting, hugely successful. I think, um, my friend, um, with whom I disagreed, <laughs> he says that those things aren't, don't, they don't work. They don't matter. They're, they're, ir they're irrelevant. They're not fighting the right battles. I disagree with that. I think what that does is creates opportunities for law enforcement to have, um, relationships, and interactions with people that are not law enforcement related. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Now what you have is the ability for to create effectively in these young people um, ambassadors because they're going to go home from their fishing trip. They're going to go home from their whatever they're doing, and they're going to say that guy, you know, Johnny Law. He wasn't actually all that bad. You right. Know? And and we had a great time. We had a good weekend. We caught some fish. We did some you know campfire stuff. All kind of whatever it is. Fill yeah. in the blank. Yep. But you're creating, then they go back to the dinner table and they talk about it to their parents. They talk about it to their friends. Right. So I feel that that's one of the ways in which you can create this, quote, trust and legitimacy right. through programs that are that are hundreds of years, literally hundreds of years old, some of these things. Right. Right? No, and I think that is where the role of the government heads can participate in building trust and legitimacy. 
give the budget money to run these programs. I mean, we're, we always run them by, on a shoestring. I, I, you know, I see it on Facebook and other social media, and they make a big to-do about a cop buying a kid a sandwich or a pizza or something. It's happened for years. And and when you, you, you cops are taking money out of their own pocket to buy stuff for kids. Um, Christmas time, you know, victims of crime, people who had their cars broken into, uh, people uh, underserved communities who are lacking for um, food or clothing or, uh, you know, kids got his bike stolen or Christmas gifts are stolen. Cops pass the hat, make money, get money together and 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 show the goodwill towards these people. The, the trouble is there's not a big media influence. That's it, the key right nobody's there. Nobody's hooking that to be the number one story of the day. So I've said it before on, on our podcast that... We're our own worst enemy as far as our, our media uh, releases and, and publicizing the good things we do. And I think we should do them more. But I believe the mayor and the board of supervisors or the county council or whoever gives you the budget money to run citizens academies. Yep. Let let uh, adults see and what you do and why. Demystify what the police department does so they can understand it. And then run the program, start at the earliest possible age. At my district stations, we always did a cops read to kids program, cops and kids. And you have an officer not in without a gun in plain clothes. You had him full duty belt, full uniform, reading a story to kids, interacting, asking questions. And again, you see kids five, six, seven years old who are running up to the cop and putting their arm around them Mm -hmm. or or uh, cuddling up next to them during the next story time. And and that's the best time to, to get to kids, not not high schools. It's great to have cops in high schools and middle schools, but but the outreach is really essential at the, at the earliest age. Yeah, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've written about it. Um, Citizens Academies are enormously useful in help, helping to build not just this, quote, trust and legitimacy. My fingers are in the air right now. Right. Um, but in order to really foster an, a, a better understanding on both sides of, you know, better understand the community we're serving and have the community better understand the law enforcement officers right. who are trying desperately to protect and serve them. You know, and that's that's fundamental to what's the misunderstanding is the, the mainstream national media at, at times. If it bleeds, it leads. And right. conflict, controversy, and change are the only things that mm-hmm. really construct the news these days. Mm-hmm. Sometimes comedy and sometimes cash, if the amount's big enough. But it's never courage. And it's never compassion that's making the mainstream headlines. Um, but meanwhile, you have these stories of courage and compassion um, taking place every day. I mean, just last year, there was a kid, autistic kid, who no one showed up to his birthday party. So a whole gaggle of cops came. Um, Two, two or three years ago, an officer's final act was buying a kid a cookie at McDonald's, and he was later ambushed two or three blocks from there, killed in his car. Yeah. Um, you know, but those things are never, see, they don't see the light of day. We need to shed more light on those things. To your point, we should have better public relations uh, mm-hmm, efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that one of the things that we're seeing now, and hopefully this is, again, to get to this pillar number one of building trust and legitimacy, is having more relationships that happen not just Online, which is you have great presence here with the our police department here in San Francisco and others doing a great job on Facebook, making sure people are aware of the great work that's getting done. Next door is a great website yeah. to reach out, but also in the offline world, like we were talking about, all these different programs give these agencies the, the funding 
and give them the permission to go forth and, and actually make them happen. Sure. No, and, and I going back to, to when I started in policing, as cops, we would only go to neighborhoods when something bad happened, right? So right. there's that negative effect built into, oh, here comes a cop car, something bad happened, right? Well, now I think it's it's a little different. We're doing more community policing with footbeats and community organizing, going to meetings, having uh, community advisory boards, citizens academies, things like that. But I think one of the, one of the greatest assets is National Night Out. Mm-hmm. And ev- almost every agency in, in the nation has a National Night Out first Wednesday of every August, right? I believe it's that, yeah. And we've had just such a variety of great interactions with the public on those nights where you do barbecues, coloring contests, horseshoes, bocce ball, uh, fun houses, bouncy houses, uh, dance-a-thons, all, all kinds of things where, where cops uh, meet and mingle with the community. And they're, nobody's making arrests. Nobody's mm-hmm. getting handcuffed. And people see cops. So so as far as reaching out to the hearts and mind of ind- individuals, we do that in, in these sort of um, you know, drops in the bucket at these kinds of things. But why can't we do a national night out? Just not August. Let's do it every month. At least <laughs> one night and make it a night because nighttime connotes uh, a scary time. <laughs> and if you could feel safe going to this soiree with law enforcement agency, I mean, you know, some I can hear some people uh, looking at the radio saying, oh, great, another hug-a-thug program. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm talking about real people that would come out if, if, you, if you had it. Mm-hmm. If you build it, they will come, get to know your people. We're seeing it across the country now with these programs of uh, coffee with a cop or uh, walk a beat with a cop or something like that where... We're meeting individuals, and they're not seen as in an enforcement capacity, and I think that's so valuable. Yeah. Well, that's pillar number one, and you know we'll come back to um, the remaining five pillars here over the next uh, five weeks. If you have any thoughts on this particular topic, or uh, want to weigh in prior to um, hearing some of the, uh, the, the the remaining five pillars, um, email us at policingmatters at police one dot com. Yeah, and for this segment in particular, I'd love to hear uh, what you're doing at your agency that is reaching out to the community and, and not enforcement related, but not not hidden either. Not, uh, you know, when we started our school resource program uh, back up in San Francisco, um, we heard from individuals who said, well, we want cops without guns and we want them in a polo shirt or, or something less than a law enforcement uniform. And I, I really thought that that defeated a large segment of what the program was about. So we didn't. We we came in uniform, full gun belt, and um, cops really got to know the kids, and the kids got to know the cops, and it's a great program that's still working today. Yeah. Yeah, do email us what you guys are doing successfully, and uh, we may make that into a, f- a future podcast, or I could write about it. <laughs>